With Pat Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, this hour is underway on a Thursday. It's May 18th. Welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit CalvaryLockandSafe.com. Happy Thursday. Thanks for being along with us here from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Later this hour, Aaron Vickers from the World Championship in Finland. But first, let's go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. Our next gentleman uh, made the trip across the uh, across 8th Avenue and is here in studio. It's Brent Cron, our NHL goaltending analyst. Croner in studio, inside hockey. What's going on? It's not a long walk, really. You know, I, I, I'm an 8th Avenue place. Um... And I would like to say it's, it was a journey. It's not a journey at all, whatsoever. It's uh, it, it, it's it's one of those uh, the voyage to get here. <laughs> it's a voyage. You know, uh, like, there's a few obstacles to uh, to cross. Yeah, I ran into a few of those. I crossed them. Okay. And I, you know what? I, I got here on time. You're like a groom at a wedding, hey? Like you just can't get to the bar because everybody just wants to stop and talk to you, right? And, and you know, I'm really good. I got a hole in one many years ago, and I did, never went to the bar because I knew all the <laughs> pylons that wanted a free drink that I couldn't satiate. Right. So I was like, "Screw you guys! I'm getting ten grand, and I got it for, for my skill. You don't get to benefit off of it." That's right. You got 10K off that whole and, well. and season tickets to the Calgary Flames, which took me 10 games in to get my season tickets. <laughs> right? Well, that was a long time ago. Things have got. I don't think that would happen now. Have they? Have they gotten better? I, I think they have. Well, no, if I get a hole in one here at this Flames tournament this year. Where have I you set? come close since? Oh, no. But, no. You know, but since I got one, I just figured, you know what? They're just going to come hot and heavy easy, now. Right? Well, it's yeah. like, well, you know, it's like, it's like uh, you know, Winning a Stanley Cup your first year. Yep. Like, well, I'm going to win it in my this, next 18 this. seasons. Like, Marty Jelena. Like, he won, like, 19 Stanley Cups, didn't he? He won a few. He won one. Yeah, two. He won? For two. sure. Two. Didn't he win with Carolina as well? I don't know. I don't know. He won one for sure. We, well, all, yeah. we all know that. His in, first his first, in his first year with, with the Oilers. Oilers. Yeah. No, that's right. Um, hey, uh, it's funny. We're uh, we're talking a lot about the, the, the new GM of the Calgary Flames and... He hasn't uh, been named yet. No, he is not. So you're, it's all speculation. Yeah, and well, and and so the GM's the first thing that's got to hit, and then they got to hire a new head coach. And and Daryl's out, and we we talked to you a couple of weeks ago about Daryl Sutter getting fired and all that type of stuff. And now the conversation is kind of turned to, okay, well, who should the next head coach be? But more importantly, like what type of coach should the new head coach be? Like what this veteran group of players that underachieved so drastically last season. What type of coach do they need if it didn't work with Daryl? I'm just curious because you've been in lots of locker rooms. You've had all kinds of different coaches. Like, what type of coach does this team need from the outside? Uh, you know, and, and, and there's there's two answers to this. There's my there's my direct honest answer where it's like you know 
you play for coaches, you work for a boss, you work for guys that are just you just can't stand, and it's whether you can do your job underneath them or you can't. Didn't work out with Daryl. I think Daryl did what he always does, and he got results at a certain point in time, and now he's with the uh, like a guy like Hubert O and Weger yeah. and all those guys where didn't work out. So now you got a new guy coming in. So what do you want? So 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 what? You want a players coach now? So 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 now the players are in the driver's seat. I think you need. At the end of the day, you need somebody with a spine, first of all. And I don't know how much money they have to spend on a coach. Like you got, you, you, like Murray Edwards is driving the bus with this team, so he expects a certain amount of accountability. Yeah, will be polite. And so now, who are you going to get? Well, you're paying Daryl the next two years, eight million bucks, so four million a year. So you're not going to go out and just grab a big, big money guy because he's been around for a long time. And, I, and I've said this before too. It's like, well, you know what? Like, there's so much turnover. If you know, if you if you coached one minute in National Hockey, like you got a 17 year shelf life because it's like, well, we you've been here before. We're going to get you here. We're going to get you there. You're going to be assistant coach, head coach. Do this. Do that. Do this. Do that. Probably wouldn't hurt the Flames to. Uh, to try Mitch Love, I'm in, in my okay, because that's where I was gonna eventually go. Is is because you talk about okay, players, coach, not players. I, I does that exist the same way today that it did ten years ago? I don't know. Like no, and and a guy like a guy like Mitch Love. The one thing I said on Wednesday's show when Wes and I were talking about it is, and I I've been convinced the last couple of days that. It's probably the right way to go. If this For guy's sure. got as much, like if there's as much buzz around this guy around the league and he'll be in the mix for potential head coaching jobs elsewhere, well, why let that happen when you can just, you've got an opening on the team right now. So I'm, I've kind of been convinced over the last 24, 48 hours on that front. But the one worry that I, or concern that I voiced on Wednesday was, here's a guy who has not been in the NHL didn't play in the NHL, all that type of stuff. Did play lots in the American League, but I know I, I, I played I, against him. You did. That's right. You would have. Um, I just my only concern is veteran locker room. Does the message get through? Do they? Has nothing to do with Mitch at all. It has everything to do with perception of the road. And I've seen it, or I've talked to enough guys that haven't bought into Coach A because they don't necessarily look at the path and say, well. That's the type of coach I'd play for. That, that's the only concern I have about a veteran locker room. That's not a knock on any of the players in there because I have no idea if that's the way it would go over. And it has nothing to do with Mitch Love. It just is more of a circumstantial concern that I would worry about. Well, Daryl's the most veteran you can probably get behind a bench. And, and, and so if you're concerned with your veteran voice and Daryl's voice didn't work with this group, you know, Mitch has got a great mustache. You know, he, he It is a good mustache. It's a deadly mustache. He he looks miserable like like a head coach should. Um why not give him the reins? I, I and I'm not judging enough his mustache. Don't be That's that's not know, the main I, criteria. It's not the main criteria. So he's a deadly mustache. Let's give this guy a job. I just don't know what else the Flames can do. You're not bringing in Bruce Boudreaux. You're not bringing in Andrew Burnett. I don't think you know, you're 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 going to look within the organization, and 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 Mitch Love's had success, and you know they they brought in Glenn Gulitz, and I guess is the most recent comparison as far as guys that are unproven. Yeah, and Gully's more of a uh, uh, 
I mean, Gully coached me in the East Coast League. He coached me in the American Hockey League. He's he's an assistant coach. Like he he he's a he's a great American League coach. He's a team guy. NHL level, you got to have a kind of certain level of respect and understanding. Mitch Love, I played against him in the American League or, or sorry, the Western League. I don't know much about him, uh, but having said that, he's had success, and that uh, and and not everybody gets a chance to to, to prove that they can have success at every level, even though. He's he's uh, he's well on his way to to to, to winning a Calder Cup because they just they're, they're, the series is tied. Yeah, game five on Friday. Right. So, what's the budget? Who you're gonna get? And where are you gonna go? Well, are you gonna grab a guy like Mac, Mike Babcock and pay him five million dollars a year to? Yeah, I can't. Do, I can't well, see them. Well, doing they, that, they're not right? gonna do it because that's you're you're going back down. The, if you didn't like Daryl, you're not gonna like Babcock. Now the thing with Mitch is and. You know, West did a really good article on him, and he is a demanding coach. He is a hard coach, all good. those types of things. But also, the where, where I think the biggest issue that maybe Daryl ran into, maybe it's a generation gap, maybe it's a communication styles, but I think that the where the disconnect came in with Daryl was not about the message itself and how he wants you to play, not even the fact that he's a hard coach or a demanding coach, but maybe the way that he went about delivering message to player and it didn't it, it, it clearly hit a wall. And it feels like Mitch is the type of guy that is able to message even while still being demanding is able to message a little bit better to today's. Player. But the the jump from the American League to the NHL is massive still too, right? Like. So, so you're 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 coaching a bunch of guys in American League that want to get to the National Hockey League. So they're going to listen to their coach, or they're going to listen to you know they're going to trust their ability. They're going to do what they can. Their 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 sole end game is to make it in the National Hockey League. You get a coach like Daryl, who's been there forever, who knows guys ins and outs. He's won two Stanley Cups. So you can't like dispute what he's doing, but there there has to be a respect factor. And I was having a conversation with a guy earlier today at lunch, and we were just talking about it, like and it, you know. I come on the show. It's like I'm sitting at a bar stool with a bunch of buddies. Yeah. I'm just giving my opinion, right, wrong, or indifferent. But the way the the world works now, and the way you know Daryl is behind the bench, it's like, well, what respect do I have for my players? And and if I'm gonna be dealt with passive aggressive players that are, you may or may not fight for themselves, I want a guy that can fight for himself and prove it. And who? Can prove it to be the captain. So on last season, who you know, the team needs a captain. Who's a captain? Well, you know, and and a lot of times it goes to, oh, I know the guy that's great in the community, the guy that that, that shows up and you know, cuts the ribbon at a uh, skate park or shows up and he's you know he's a scholastic player of the year and always just a great team guy. But kid, great. So you're a city guy. So so the fans love you. But I played on a lot of teams. So who's the real captain though? Like so you're the, you're the you're the public face. Yeah. Who's the guy? And so I think with Daryl, it's like, well, okay, well, who's leading this team? And now, and now he's gone. So who, Michael Backlund would be my guy, right? To, to, to just grab the reins of this team. But does he have that character? Does he have that strength? You, you know, you, there's a lot of times where you can complain and whine about kind of where things are at. But if you're not prepared to either make the change, you really don't have any business complaining. Right. I'm a Brent Kron's with us in studio here. Flames talk underway this hour. It's the sports drive. Uh, we're talking a little bit about coaching, uh, and we'll transition into some goaltending stuff in just be, a be, second. Be, before you do, though, yeah. it's just I'm just sitting there thinking like, you, you just need a guy that 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 
know, understands his players. And so, well, and that's, and that's what I'm really curious about with Mitch, because it feels like I've watched him run practices before. I've talked to enough guys who have played for him and yeah, I I think that there are times you're like, do we need to have another hard practice like that? But that's, that's okay. I think it's a little, it's a easier when you're winning, but B, I think the, the way that yes, demanding and can be a very hard coach, but I still think the, the communication style and the way he communicates lands with players who are between the age of 20 and 35, well, I, which I, is super important these days. And gone are the days of blanket coaching where if you just don't fit in, you don't fit in. Like you got to coach individually. Exactly. And that that's that's the main point for me. Right. Is that I think I think Mitch understands that really well. But he's also in a position where he wants to be a head coach in the National Hockey League. So he's also in the development stage as well, right? So he needs an opportunity. And then once a lot of those guys get there and they're trying to understand what that looks like, it's different because in the American League, everybody's trying. Everybody's in the same boat. But you're coaching guys that now are there, and you can't talk to them like they're. Hey, this is the next step. This is yeah. where you need to go. I'm trying to help you out. Now you have to be. You don't have to be liked, but you have to be respected. And respect is a big word. And if you have a guy that's coming from the minors and he doesn't get you the, he does. You don't get the respect factor right away. You lose the team very, very fast. Who is the uh, Who is the hardest coach you played for? Ryan McGill. I was about to say, I was looking at your the the time in Omaha, yeah. and, and Gilly was your coach. I was like, it's probably R- Ryan McGill. But right? you know what? It's funny. And at the time, too, I thought he was a jack. You know <laughs> what? Right? I thought he was a jerk. I hated him. I thought he was a loser. I just, he, got, he pissed me off nonstop. But I tell you what, when I, look, when I look back at my career, I actually was out with Ryan McGill here, not like when they were, New Jersey was in town. I love that guy to death. And I didn't, and I didn't know that about myself because all, it, all, all I would sit there and think, is, is what what is this guy trying to prove? What's his problem? Yeah. What's, what's, what's he trying to do? And he's just pushing, pushing, pushing. And then you figure it out. I mean, I, I, figured, I figured it out too late. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, the coaches that you have too are, are judged by performance. And if you're not winning, they're the easiest ones to kick out. And Gilly was, was awesome. He was emotional. He was on it. He was all over everything. And... The, the best thing that happened to me my second year playing in the American League in Omaha with him was I went and I stood up for myself and I said, in my first year, he put me through the ringer. The last half of the season, I'd never played better. I played the most games in the American League. I think it was like 57 or 58 57 games. 57 yeah. in 05, 06. Right. And it, it took me the last half of the season and he's just like, you, you know what? You, mentally, you're soft and you're going to play now every game until we're out of the playoffs. Just so you know. So get your together and figure it out. And all of a sudden, I'd never played that many games in a row before. Like the last, like, I played, like, 21 games in a row or 17 games. I'd never played that many games. Yeah. And at the, at the start, I was like, wow, this sucks. Oh, man, I need a break. Oh, I'm tired. I, I can't believe he's expecting me to play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Tuesday, and then Thursday, and then Saturday. I, 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 what's wrong with him? And then after after a while, I felt like, well, it's just one big game. And it wasn't a big deal. I was like, oh, wow, this is great. Wow. I, you know what? This is actually, I, I actually stopped thinking about it from shot to shot. And then the following season, I had a I was injured again, and McElhinney came around, and he was McElhinney was great, but I went into Gilly's office and we had a big conversation, and a loud I, conversation, a loud, you know, and and I stuffed myself. He's like, "Oh, it's about time you grew a spine." He didn't say spine, <laughs> and uh, I was like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Well, this is all we're waiting for. Just like, just you're good. You're really good. Just like stand up for yourself, fight for yourself. Like you're you're worth it. Just." And I was like, 
and I had the worst season of my life for the following <laughs> year. But he, he pulled me twice. He's like, oh, it's not your night, kid. Hey? I'm like, no, nah, it's not my night. It wasn't a big deal. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like it's what people are looking for. Like, you're looking for a man to come in and do a job. Yeah. Right? And, and that's the thing. It's like I was so scared to stand up for myself. I just wanted to do everything I could and everything I was asked. And, and that's the thing. It's like some guys are just assertive. Some guys are aggressive. Some guys are passive. And you got to learn to coach that different style. Not Not saying one is better than the other. But the way the world works nowadays, it's like, well, you can't just scare everybody into playing good. Now you gotta like you have to you, message to each other. Now you have to talk. Yeah. Well, maybe Huberto wants to speak French on the ice, and maybe I should learn French. And you know, you, you, it, obviously, I'm being facetious, but you yes. know what I mean. It's, you, you gotta speak the language of your players, and and the newer coaches speak the language of the players. Like they they listen, they understand, they they work with it. Um, and maybe Mitch Love can do that. Maybe he can't. But you know that's the thing. It's like the, all the old school guys like that get the, re, the the regurgitated garbage jobs. Like, well, you know, he he's coached fifteen hundred games in the National Hockey. He knows what he's doing. Well, maybe he doesn't know what he's doing now. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. Kron's uh, with us in studio. Okay, two questions for you before uh, we release you. By the way, it took it took me standing up to Kron for him to respect me. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Everybody's talking about Dustin Wolf. Big shout out on Wednesday night to keep the Wrangler season alive and. Talking about, okay, well, he's got to be with the Flames in some capacity next year. Why? I was thinking about this. I don't think I've ever asked you this. I've asked you a lot of goaltending questions, but I've never asked you why having three goalies on the same team can be such a... It, it seems like it, it is... So many teams are loath to do it. Why is it so difficult to have three goalies on the same team? Well, how many people do you want to do one job? Right. I, I know for how I operate... Is if you got two or three people involved in my business, I'll just pass it off to the next. That's not necessarily the way being a third goalie works, but you're just floating. You know, having a third goalie, it's like, well, I'm not trading off with the guy every day for practice. I want to be the guy in the net. I want to be the guy in the net every time. And so you, you just kind of lose that. I mean, for me, I've been a third goalie before. It sucks because you're just, oh, well, you know, bah, keep us off. I'm going to take four shots to the glove. And then you're in. And then Fanuff and Hammerluck and again, I can take one timers in my face because nobody cares, right? Like, I don't want to, that's not my, obviously I'm wearing a mask and I'm a goalie, so I'm, my job is getting in the way of the puck. But three goalies, it demoralizes, it doesn't demoralize the starter because he knows he's a starter, but the but the guy chasing him, it's like, now it's a race. And it sucks. And and, and, and it's, it's not a professional way to do things. And the Flames own Wolf anyway, so if they want to stick him back in the minors, Next year they can, can they not? They can, yep. Yeah. So so I don't I don't understand the concern. Well, the only concern is that you don't and, and we've talked about this, you don't want to lose Wolf, right? You well, don't want to you don't want to where, where would they lose him? Well, no, it would be more like you know how you talked about a couple of weeks ago, you don't want him to run into the same roadblock that you felt like you ran into, right? Like only you you're never getting that opportunity and you don't want him to get to the point where he's like, Well, I don't want to be here. Um and so that that like I when I say lose wolf, I mean oh, you don't want to psychologically lose. exactly right. Well, but that's the thing. So so the flames own him. So like when the flames came to me and said, "Oh, you're just going back down. You're in a two way to back down, back down, back down." Whatever. Wolf's probably mentally stronger than I am. He's been on top of the food chain here for a very long period of time. He yep. won two goalie of the years in the Western League. He's won the second in in two the American in a row League. The American League, right? So. The the flames there's zero panic in there. They have no worry about what they're going to do with him. They just want to make sure he's he's ready when they need him. But I would sit there and I'd be like, okay, well, you know, 
for for me, the the bitterness and the frustration was is like, well, okay, well, you, we got Kiprasovs. You, you're not going anywhere. We're going to bring in Phil Solvay. We're going to bring in. I think they had Curtis Joseph and Vesa Toskala and Curtis McElhaney and Keatley and every, everybody coming in and backing up. It didn't matter. And so my, your concern is very much my own. It's like, okay, well, what are we going to do? And and I would I would I would like them to take steps where you yeah. could probably get something for Vladar. I would gas him in a second. He's not. He's good, but give somebody that can that has been on the top of the mountain forever. Just like give him a chance. Yeah. But but this whole system is built on. Well, what have you done? Have you played in the National Hockey League? Have you played one game? Have you played thirty minutes? Have you done something? I think Wolves deserves an opportunity to be the backup. I really do. And then you can take over the starters' job. What? Uh, who's the best goalie still playing in the playoffs? Ottinger. <sighs> and he's been poor. He has not been great. No, you know, he, he's been inconsistent. And you know what? And I, I chuckle because Bobrovsky, they pay him $10 million a year, and if he wins the Stanley Cup, and that's the last thing he does, he's worth the money. Ottinger's the best goalie left. Vegas is the most battle-tested in my mind because they, they, they've just kind of picked up the pieces and kept going. What happened to Antti Ranta in, in Carolina? Is he injured again? Uh, well, they've, they got Freddie. Freddie was back and, and so I, well, he started playing, he played game five round one. Yep. But was, did Ranta get injured or what did they do? I mean, I'm not putting you on the spot cause now I, I, don't, I don't know. Now I, I, I don't remember. I, I just saw it, but I'm like, if I can get a job playing in the national hockey league and getting injured all the time and making $5 million a year, sign me <laughs> up. But I, you, you, you sit there and it's like Carolina's Carolina. And, and to me, Vegas are very similar teams that just kind of one guy drops. They just kind of fill that spot and it's almost like you could see a Vegas Carolina final but the best goalie left talent wise is Ottinger for me yeah but he hasn't been he hasn't been uh uh round one 2022 against the Flames lights out but they're winning so that's all that matters well he won his game seven which I was right I actually I felt good for the guy well but that's all that's all that's all that matters it doesn't matter oh he played terrible in game six he got pulled well they won game seven so shut up that's a, that's a right. That's a fair way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, I've always been a big Freddie Anderson guy too. I love Freddie Anderson. I'm, I think I'm, I'm happy to see you him succeeding. I, I really am too, and I, I'm actually cheering for him because Leafs fans, when he was in in Toronto, he was you know that whole game five, game six. Every time they got up on a guy, he was he was he would give you a really good effort in game five or six. The Leafs would lose, and then he'd be garbage in game seven. Right, Freddie Anderson would, but. When he was in Anaheim, when they when they gassed the Flames there, I, I can't remember what what what, what year. Twenty fifteen. He was he became one of my favorite goaltenders because he's just so chill, big guy, easy, doesn't overreact, and I'd like to see him have a little bit of success. Thanks for stopping in. Well, I'm happy you invited me. I all the invites always there. Yeah. Uh, Brent Cron inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Calgarians is the only family of products curated for the taste of Calgarians, and you'll only find them at Calgary Co-op. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Flames Talk is live on Calgary's Hockey Station. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This hour continues. Steinberg along with you on a Thursday. Let's go to Finland. 
So Team Canada's 4-0 with three members of the Flames at the World Championship. Team USA's 4-0 with Matt Coronado on their team. Four Flames players at the World Championship and covering the world's is our buddy, Flames Talk fam member, Aaron Vickers, joins us from Finland right now. It's uh, it's good to have a Flames Talk fam member overseas. It's cool that you're there, man. And uh, I mean, I guess, first of all, hi. hi how, how's it going, buddy? I'm, I'm a little disappointed you didn't introduce me as uh, Flames Talk international world traveling correspondent, Aaron Vickers, coming to you live from the IIHF World Championship. I mean, I guess it could have. That uh, you know what? Next time we do this, I will write that down and make sure that's exactly what we're doing. How? Uh, well, I, we'll 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 get into the the uh, the nuts and bolts of the experience in a little bit. But how's uh, how's it like? Uh, you're you're in Finland now. You started in Latvia and then made the made the trek west. Yeah, I figured I'd start with the Hockey Canada group, get uh, get the Calgary Flames out of the way a little bit. Obviously, they got three players there. Another one in here in Tampere in Matt Coronado, but um, the tournament's predominantly hosted here in Finland. This is where the semifinals and the finals are going to be. So I always typically take my approach where go to the co-host city first and tackle as much work as you can over there and then shift your focus to to the main host for the duration of the tournament. So, so far, so good. That uh, that strategy worked out. I actually left uh, Riga one day early, earlier than scheduled. Um, just because everything I needed to do, I got done and figured I'd get a head start on uh, my Finnish activities and maybe enjoy the city of Tampere a little bit. No, very cool. And, uh, it's, uh, it's neat that you're over there and super happy. We could bring you on, uh, for today's show. Just, uh, you, you saw the first three games Canada played in person. They're uh, four for four so far in their tournament. Don't play again until Saturday when they take on Switzerland and, uh, Mackenzie Wieger's turned into the story of the tournament a couple of years ago was Andrew Mangiapane you turned into the story of the world championship and so far this year with eight points in four games it's uh it's Mackenzie Weger on the back end for Canada yeah probably could have been player of the game and back-to-back games to open things up for Canada and he's been put into a role where he's a true blue kind of no questions asked number one defenseman uh, his ice time over the first couple of games, it was really spread out, just given the level of competition that Canada was facing. You didn't need to pile out uh, Mackenzie Weger at 30 minutes a night. But when they ran up against it against Slovakia in a uh, shootout victory, you know, game goes to overtime, game goes to shootout, he played 27 minutes and was the far and away leader for Canada. Uh, he's playing in every situation. He's quarterbacking the first power play unit. Uh, head coach Andre Terigny, who's the Arizona Coyote bench boss, was glowing in his review of the defensive work that Mackenzie Weaker has done as well, as particularly on the penalty kill. So what you're seeing is a guy that's being used five on five, both ends of special teams, and is the first guy over the boards when they need to make sure mm-hmm. something positive happens for that group. So, it, and the Wes and I talked about this last hour, but... One of the the fascinating parts to me is he's doing this all on the right side. He's been on the strong side the entire tournament, and we barely saw that last season. Like it's not that we didn't see it when there were injuries, when Chris Tanev was hurt. Uh, the, the the Flames would put Mackenzie back on the right side, but for the most part, whether he was playing with Rasmus Anderson or whether he was playing with Tanev, he was usually on his offside, usually playing the left. And you know, I I know that it's not apples to apples, and I know that. We're talking about Canada playing Kazakhstan and and teams like that early on, but I I just 
something about him on the right side and finding a way to make that more of a permanent look if you're the Flames next season. That really intrigues me. And and you might have to go down the trade road to make sure it happens just because you're talking about so many other guys who can play the right side and he's got that versatility. But there's there's something about that idea of him on the right side and watching him at the World Championship has has made that even more intriguing for me. The thing I've noticed the most with him, and I don't know if this is necessarily side-dependent, but the amount of visibility he has on the ice, the amount of times he's able to present a fake and do something else and, and just see the ice. I don't know if it's necessarily a righty versus lefty thing, but it's certainly going to be uh, operating close to the board as a righty, you know, making a fake this way and then going that way or trying to open up a forward that's coming out of the defense or to the point to challenge him. But he's certainly been as dynamic as I've seen him all season in the confidence in his just general – I'm going to go around this guy and then set up a play. Like he's, he's playing supremely confident. And some of it might just be attributed to the fact that he's got a little bit more space out there and he's got a little bit of a longer lead. He's paired with Jacob Middleton of the Minnesota Wild, who's, I'd say, arguably one of the better stay at home defensemen in the NHL right now. Yeah. So I don't know if that necessarily gives him a, a longer leash to try things, try to be more dynamic, try to make some mistakes. But whatever is clicking for him right now is certainly making him look real good out there. So it's um it's funny because McKenzie really started to come into his own after the All-Star break in the yep. second half of the season down the stretch. He he looked like a really confident player. So for you is this just a a continuation of that? Uh, more importantly, he said it was. So I had had the opportunity to talk to him and he thought his game started building and building and building as you mentioned after the Christmas break into the All-Star break and after and he said it was just a a real comfort thing, a real getting used to Calgary, getting used to a new coach, a new city, a new environment, a new basically day-to-day life because it's one thing, yeah, it's still hockey on the ice, but off the ice, his entire routine is completely different moving from Florida to Calgary, from the restaurants you go to, to the, the commute to the office, yeah. and so on and so forth. There's an adjustment period that I don't think we as media or we as fans truly appreciate when you literally uproot everything you know and and Hockey players are, if anything, creatures of habit. When you get taken out of your habit and have to form a new one, there's going to be an adjustment period. And so Mackenzie Weaver was pretty pretty honest, honest, pretty candid about the fact that, yeah, it took him a little while to get used to the new surroundings, both on and off the ice. And, I mean, we saw in the second half of the season that adjustment sort of coming to fruition to where he was comfortable as a member of the Calgary Flames and in the city of Calgary as well. Yeah. Uh, would you call yourself Flames Talk World Championship traveling correspondent i think i i think just traveling correspondent something along those lines international international oh yeah international adjective there so yeah so it's it's flames talk international traveling world championship correspondent aaron vickers with us from finland uh side of the 2023 world championship we're chatting with him here on flames talk on this thursday okay uh tyler tofoley's got a few points three assists in four games milan lucic up to a goal and an assist what else have we uh or what have we seen from the two other flames products playing for team canada i see just grins from ear to ear from milan lucic and it's absolutely hilarious because where we're situated in both press boxes in both cities is right at the end of the ice so we've got like the I don't want to call it a tunnel vision view, but we're watching the plays right from behind Canada's basically goal when they're the home team or the opposition when they're the whole team. And you just see 
the, the flashes of the yellow mouth guard from along the cheech all the time, just bringing from year to year. Um, right before Puck dropped a Canada's first game, which was against host Latvia. Um, I'm trying to remember how many people fit in Riga, Latvia, or in Arena, Arena Riga. Sorry, that's the name of the okay. arena. It's very on the nose. It's real hard to remember, you know, the city and then the word arena. Um, but he went up to Mackenzie Weger prior to the opening puck drop, and you could see just the, the grin, and he, he said something to Mackenzie Weger. So I went and asked him, like, what did you say? Like, I'm super curious because, like, it's very something because Mackenzie Weger kind of shook his head. He was cheering Canada over top yeah. of the 10,000 fans chanting Latvia, just cracking it up. So he's having a good time. He scored his first ever international goal with Canada. I think it was in the second game. And it was funny because probably about five minutes before that, he had a virtual tap in hop over his stick. And instead of getting grumpy or mad or smashing his stick, like I probably would have done in that situation, you see the big grin. And then, of course, he scores on the power play. He's playing on the second power play unit, um, scores, and then there's grins all around. So he's really enjoying himself. Tyler Toffoli, I think, is really embracing the fact that he's the captain of this team and leader. And you can definitely see it on the ice and how he's sort of navigating uh, the other players, how he's dealing with the officiating and just the sheer, um, I don't know if I want to call it pressure, but he's letting his one one T clapper go every chance he gets because he feels like he needs to be an offensive leader with this group as well. And he's really sort of embracing that, that leadership role. But, you know, it is kind of, it's not necessarily surprising that he got the C1 because he's, Canada is one of Canada's most experienced players. Yeah, he's one of Canada's most productive players. He's won a cup. Uh, he's he's been through quite a bit at the NHL level. So a real uh, feather in the cap of Tyler Toffoli for being captain of Canada at the World Championship. So the uh, three Flames on Team Canada have all contributed, and that team four for four so far. Team USA. 4-0 as well, and Matt Coronado's put up some numbers as well. He started to get on the score sheet. He's been playing center for most of the tournament. Any, uh, and I know you spoke to USA head coach David Quinn a little bit about it. Uh, just overall, your uh, your thoughts, your observations, and and your impressions of Matt Coronado playing against men once again, and this time more than just one game. Yeah, this is the highest level he's played at consistently in his career, and as you mentioned, he's played center and wing. Uh, asked Quinn about, you know, where Quinn, by the way, was on the bench for Matt Coronado's first ever NHL game. Of course, That's they right. played San That's Jose right. Sharks. He's the San Jose coach. So he was more than aware that he was in attendance for Matt Coronado's first NHL game. I think Coronado had five or six shots that game. Uh, anyways, back to the world championship. Uh, I've only got to see the see Coronado play once, um, but he looks comfortable out there. He looks like he knows what he's doing. The stage doesn't look too big for him. He's getting into positions that he needs to get into, and he's doing that at both ends of the ice, not just one. So uh, I need a bigger sample size to fully evaluate what he's doing at the World Championship thus far. But from what Coach Quinn has said, what Captain Nick Benino said, and what Matt Coronado said himself is an adjustment period, and he's he's taking it the right way. He's a young kid. You know, he's not even 21 yet. Yeah, uh, He understands that this is much more than just competing for a medal. This is a learning experience. This is learning how to be a pro, essentially, you're playing against professional players from all over the world, not just NHLers. You're learning how to go about your business. You're watching the other guys in the room, much like he did in Calgary. He's getting a feel for the process and things like that. But this is one of those situations where he can look at where he is right now, 
And outside of just one game as a member of the Calgary Flames, he can look and he can he's playing against other NHLers and he can gauge where his game is versus where their game is. So he's got a summer to learn where he needs to go from to where he needs to be in September and October to be an NHLer. Uh, just a couple more with Aaron Vickers, uh, Flames Talk fan member. I prefer that as a as an introduction, way member, All right, yeah, way I'm better in. rather. He uh, he is with us from Finland and the 2023 World Championship. Anything else individually? Whether you know we're we're focused back here in Calgary on Team Canada and the four Flames playing, but you get the opportunity to see all kinds of different countries, and you know you're watching Germany, Denmark, or you're like you're you're kind of all over the place. Uh, in terms of anybody else that's really stood out to you. Anybody that uh, has jumped out, anybody that you've talked to that's been really interesting. I'm just curious about if there's anything else that has uh, stood out to you. Um, I think there's been some people. I always like this tournament because it almost gives you a little bit of a look into a crystal ball. It doesn't always work, but I remember back in 2017 in Paris and Cologne watching Braden Point and Travis Konechny kind of zip all over the ice together. At that point, I think Point had, I can't remember if it was his rookie season with the Tampa Bay Lightning or second season, but that year he had 40-ish points. It wasn't the 100-point player. It wasn't the two-time Stanley Cup champion, three-time Stanley Cup champ, or three-time Stanley Cup finalist, Brayden Point, that we, we know today. So there's some guys that I look around like that, and Jonathan Bergeron, who was picked in the second round of the 2018 draft for the Detroit Red Wings, saw him today. He was absolutely lights out and phenomenal. I don't know what he produced for points in that game, to be perfectly honest with you. He is playing on the top line with 2023 draft eligible Leo Carlson and Lucas Raymond, who's, again, 21-22 himself with the Detroit Red Wings. But he he was really good today, really intriguing today. Uh, Joe Valeno for Canada, uh, he's 23. He's one of those guys at the Detroit Red Wings. You know, they've got Carlson. Um, there's about 1,400 of them right now. Carlson, Sider. Um, Valeno, Bergeron, um, they've got a, just a new, I'm yeah. going to be missing about six guys that they have, but they're building a core in Detroit. Detroit's going to be in about two years, Detroit, Buffalo, like in five years, I guess you can't really get a Detroit Buffalo final, but those two teams are going to have to go through each other at some point to get to the Stanley cup final. I don't know if it's three years. I don't know if it's four years, but it's coming because guys on both sides, because Buffalo's got. Darlene Power, Jack Quinn, JJ Paterka. Um, that's not even including, you know, Alex Tuck and Tage Thompson, yeah. Devin Levi and Nett, who made his debut this year. He's with Canada as well. Um, I love this tournament because in a lot of ways it's a crystal ball to see who's going to emerge in the next couple of seasons. And certainly there's some players or some candidates this season that, that stand out in that regard. Um, just before we let you go. And I know that you've done this overseas before and and you've had an opportunity to cover this tournament, but, you know, kind of Finland and Latvia are kind of two spots that you look at and say, yeah, that's like that, that that's like lifeblood world championship. Like they, they live for this tournament in those countries and, and, and Latvia, we, we know about how crazy the fans can be and the world championship in Finland is a big, big deal. So just give us your impressions of, of being there and, and getting an opportunity to cover this tournament where they really, really care about it. It's always interesting because you talk to a lot of the players, the European players, and they certainly love the crowd, the atmosphere. I know I do. Um, I won't wager that it's louder than the Saddle Dome in the playoffs, but their endurance is certainly 
um, more evident because you'll have sections of fans jumping up and down cheering for a period straight. There's no break. There's no commercial break. There's no timeout. There's yeah. no um, staring up at the Jumbotron to watch whatever video. It is just aggressive cheering 20 minutes at a time, not stopping. Ch- some of the most unique chants you'll ever hear. A lot of them are custom to that particular team. If that's a vibe that the Calgary Flames could somehow cultivate, oh my goodness. I mean, we know how loud the dome is now. But if you can take out the, you know, watching, I mean, they're still watching the play here, but if you can just find a way to be as boisterous as European fans, it's really like the the soccer mentality crammed into something with a roof on it that seats anywhere from ten to 18,000 people. And it's just so loud, so aggressive. So intimidating. Like you go back to the Milan Lucci story where the players, there's no avoiding it. Even talking to Lucas Raymond today, there was a section of uh, Hungary fans that I don't know if they taught more than 150 people. And he's pointing out like their fans were just all over it. So it's, it's a really unique environment. I definitely encourage any, any fan, whether you're, from Canada, the U.S., wherever, to get over to a world championship at least once, particularly in a country like Latvia or Finland, because it's just so, I guess just the best adjective is aggressive, because the fans are definitely, regardless of score, regardless of circumstance, they're they're pulling their team right through the thick and the thin, right through the intense moments, right through the down moments, and, and it's really uplifting to see how some of the players respond. Go enjoy the rest of your experience, man. Good to talk to you. We'll uh, probably do it again before you uh, get your butt back home, but uh, appreciate it, man. This is uh, this is fun. I'm glad you're over there. My pleasure. We'll do it again at the Calgary Flame, Flames Talk International um, Traveling Correspondent. I like that. We'll, uh, we'll have to come up with something a little bit more catchy, but we'll, uh, we'll work on it. Bye, Vicks. Bye, buddy. There's Aaron Vickers uh, with us from Finland as the world championship continues. Canada 4-0 with Mackenzie Wieger at eight points in four games. They're back in action Saturday when they take on Switzerland, the similarly unbeaten Swiss. That's Canada's next game at the world championship. Uh, also, uh, Team USA 4-0 to this point at the world championship. So it's been uh, a good set of games so far from a uh, Flames representative standpoint. Uh, Next up for Canada, Switzerland, as I mentioned, on Saturday. As we start to wrap up this hour of Flames Talk, thank our producers, Taylor, Cam, and Raz. Thanks to Brent Cron. Thanks to Aaron Vickers. And this hour has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key-to-like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.